season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. the jkr podcast my name is jay shrigling and i'm the host today is going to be episode three of three this weekend as we had some great content so far episodes friday with jet johnson episode saturday with Derek schaefer um two great guests there another great guest here today we got tcu baseball commit for the class of 2023 lifelong arkansas stick current img academy catcher just an overall great ball player we got trip landers on the show Great conversation with him today. Went a little bit over an hour and a half. So pretty long episode today. Um, just a lot, lots of digging into his career. Um, so today we discussed just the overall, the average day at IMG, his process of going from his local high school called Clinton High School in Arkansas all the way down to IMG in Florida. Uh, just talking about living on a ranch. Um, talk about his dad's business, his overall his parents' business on the ranch. Um, just dig into the recruiting process, what it took in between deciding between Arkansas and TCU, um, much more. Um, just digging his whole career so far. So pretty cool episode here. Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, so get ready for some good content and let's dig in. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have one of the top prospects in Florida and in Arkansas for the 2023 class. We got IMG Academy catcher, TCU baseball commit. We got Trip Landers on the show. Trip, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing good, man. So uh, one question I always like to do, one question I always like to ask everybody as soon as they come on the show is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Trip Landers? I think Trip Landers is the dude that has the most fun on the baseball field when he's out there on the baseball field. This is the most electric guy Uh I mean, a good winning team starts with a good foundation, and good foundation starts with good teammates. And if you're not a good teammate, you're just, you're not, the best the best part of a good baseball player, the thing that I look for is being a good teammate. So that, that's that's really my thing. Okay. So obviously I, I ran into you at the WWBA when you were playing for the Arkansas Sticks. Yes, sir. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit about right. how you got connected with the Sticks, playing for Coach Brewster, all that. So when exactly did you get connected with Coach Brewster and the Arkansas Sticks? So I actually am one of the – I'm actually the most original, like, stick. I uh, Sticks, a long time ago, um, my dad coached a team with uh, his buddies, and then they got connected with Brewster through PBR and all that, and Brewster coached at a high school in Arkansas called Genoa Central – or Texas, excuse me. And – uh. I just got connected. Uh, I met Brewster when I was 12, and um, he's really just – he's never hes never done anything but try to help me, like, my entire life, whether it's on the field, off the field. He's always calling me. We're talking every other day. Just he's, he, he's a great dude, and uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to repay him for the things that he's done for me. Yeah. But, um, sure. but uh, he uh, – he's – I, I gotta say he's the reason I'm the man that I am today because uh, the thing he's more of a he's more of a mentor than a coach to to all of us. 
he just teaches us life lessons, like how to win, how to lose, how to how to take defeat and uh and build off of it and not and not stay down. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, Chase is uh, he's a he's a great dude, great coach. He's a great husband. He's um, he's just a good dude, and uh, yeah. I don't think I'll ever be able to pay him for the things that he did for yeah. all. Of so Chase is his first name. Yes, sir. Just okay, for- I've I've always just known him as Coach Brewster. That's what <laughs> that's what uh, Willie Black Cobra likes to say. So I oh, yeah. always like, oh, go, okay, Coach Brewster. But like you said, your dad is also a coach there. So for that seventeen, you is it Coach Brewster and your dad as the two main coaches? Uh, no, my dad actually is not a coach anymore. My dad, uh, he took it. He took it to the. Uh, he took it to the watch to the spectator side, but uh, he um, my dad and Coach Brewster have been uh, really been for my. I, Brewster says that my dad's his mentor, but I say that Brewster's my mentor. Uh, they just, I mean, it's all kind of like us three, just kind of like those two people in my life. Those those are the two very important people in my life. Uh, my dad and Brewster, again, I love my dad. He's done the same thing. Um, but uh, it's Brewster, Coach Abreu, Coach Sawyer, and Coach Kenny. And Coach Tallet are our uh, coaches. I was gonna say, it looks like you, you Brewster, your dad are pretty close. Because obviously, when I was kind of waiting, waiting around for you guys to come out of the team meeting after the game and pass out a couple cards to get a couple of you guys on the podcast, you guys, you guys seemed like you were pretty, pretty close uh, grip, pretty uh, tight knit group of guys. So oh, that's yeah. cool. Um, but how? So overall, Coach Brewster, I mean, he's kind of known in the travel ball world as just the Arkansas Sticks coach, a great coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so with you playing for him, like what's overall, what type of coaching style is coach Brewster? Coach Brewster is the guy that's going to let you figure it out on your own. And then when you figure it out, he'll give you a better way to do it the first time instead of having to do it. Instead of going trial and error, trial and error, he'll give you a better way to do it. So you can do it one time. Coach Brewster is a type of guy that's going to be like, Hey, life's good because like, I mean, you you can't get caught up on one one part of the game. Like you just got to forget about it. His coaching style is it's it's laid back. We're super laid back, but just do his the number one thing he's told me since I was a kid: do the little things right. And that's the number one. Th- I, I will forever remember that. If you just do the little things right, all the other stuff will take care of itself. Everything will fall into place if you just do the little things right. Yeah. So but, you said. Go anyway. ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. So you said your dad moved moved on to the spectator side, but after games, is he kind of still telling you a couple of, like, talking to you a little bit as more of a coaching side, or is he kind of just oh, stick sure. to being the dad? For sure. My dad <laughs> my dad will forever be a coach. It, I mean, no matter how far that I go, my dad will always be like, hey, you know, try this, try that. Uh, my dad played college ball at uh, OBU, which is Washita Baptist here in Arkansas, and um, he was a left-handed pitcher. And uh, he uh, he always is just like he's always pitching me ideas because I mean he loves me he's he's always trying to you know help me he doesn't like when he sees me struggle he's like hey you know just fix it up a little bit tighten up um but I mean yeah and uh, I also have uh, Coach Caesar Abreu I actually in the uh, seventh grade quit going to school I I quit going to school. And I went to homeschool, and I uh, I have a facility out at my uh, at my ranch, 
and Coach Abreu, who's from Russellville, which is probably a 50-minute drive, would drive every morning at 8, and we would get up and go work out from 8 to 1, and then I would go do school at my house. But uh, Coach Abreu really taught me a, a lot through life. The same thing Brewster did. Like, just he kind of took me in a little bit. And um, Coach Abreu, I, I spent every day with him from 8 to 1, and uh, we had our ups and downs and all that. And uh, I don't think I could ever, I could ever, like, explain it i could i could sit here all day and tell you this and that and i don't know if i could put it into words of the things that the sticks coaches have done all of them from top to bottom have done for me even the coaches don't even coach our team it's just all the coaches are very uplifting and very uh they just just bring you in it's they're not trying to like push you away and be like hey figure it out on your own it's they're all teaching they're all teachers yeah that's I mean, honestly, man, that's that's really great to hear just that you're so close with all that the sticks coaching staff, because, I mean, just getting to know the travel ball organiz- the travel ball world a little bit more as I'm get, digging deeper into my career. I'm just, I just see a lot of guys who are switching around different teams, which no, there's no issue with that. Not at all. Oh. Don't take don't take it that way. But it's it's really it's really cool to see you being there for so long, having like a pretty much a family, family, family based relationship with your coaching staff like that's. That's a, that's really cool to see like that. I, I'm big on that. That's, that's exciting for me, but okay. um, Bruce, was always, Bruce was always telling me like, Hey, in 30 years, we're going to be laughing at this on a family trip, like kind of thing. It's just, it, it's, uh, it's honestly, it's, it's crazy. It really is. And, uh, that we've been like, it just, every time I, every time I see him, I just get, I just, I just love him more. Yeah. I, I just, I just want the best for him and for us. And, uh, I don't think I, I just appreciate him more than anything. Yeah. So for the WWBA for the 17 U, I know there were, there's a lot of guys there who this was kind of their their last travel ball event of their travel ball career mm-hmm. before they head into their senior year of high school, play high school ball, and then go to college. So where are you looking at right now? Are you still still have a couple travel events to go, or was the WWBA your last event of your travel ball career? I've got one more in uh, Fort Myers on the 25th, the BCS, and. Um, it's uh, no, my travel ball career, dude. It's just, it's honestly, it's it's. I wish that I would have, when I was in the ninth grade, I went like this is the only regret that I have. And anybody that listens to this, that's younger, I hope they take this into consideration. That I I regret not having as much fun as I wish that I should have. I regret not not saying like this is the best time of my life. Like ninth grade, like people that go to kids that go to showcases and like they're all nervous. People that go to WWBA for the first time, they're all nervous. There's nothing to be nervous about because all you have to do really is just have fun, dude. Because like it's gonna be over like that. Yeah. Like, me going into the 25th, I'm like, dang, like I'm pumped for this tournament. It's a big tournament, but dude, it's my last one, so it's like it's bittersweet. But um, yeah, I mean it's a, it, it's been a it's been a really good ride, dude, and uh, and I can't wait to go into this uh, season with IMG, uh, and just uh, hoping, always hoping to win that national championship, and uh, then go to TCU and just get it done. Yeah. So you said your advice to your ninth grade self. So I take it maybe ninth, tenth grade, you're kind of nervous, kind of put a lot of pressure on yourself. So when exactly did you start having fun on that baseball field playing travel ball? So I uh, I committed 
going into my ninth grade year to TCU. And I went to a, I went to a, I had to take from my homeschooling, I had to take one class at the, uh, at the local high school, which is Clinton high school to, um, be able to play on the high school baseball team. So I took, I took my foreign language. I took Spanish one and two at the high school so I could play my ninth grade year and 10th grade year at the high school. And, um, it was a small, it was a three, a high school, small town, 2000 people. And, uh, and I mean, everybody looks at you differently. Like when you, when you walk around like that, with that kind of chip on your shoulder, like you, you think that people are looking at you differently and that you, you just, you're, I mean, a ninth grade kid doesn't know any better. Uh, I mean, we were playing with, I was playing with 18, 19 year old kids. Uh, and I just felt like I, every time I did, I had to hit a home run. Every time I had to hit a double or a home run, I can't strike out, can't fly out, can't ground out. And, uh, I mean, that's just not how it is, man. Like, baseball is baseball. Like, if you go three for ten, you're in the Hall of Fame, you know? Yeah. And that's pretty. That's a pretty universal saying, but, I mean, it's probably the most true thing that you could say in baseball. Yeah. Um, uh, just, I, I started having fun. Like, it was actually something that Coach Brewster and Coach Bray, you told me. Coach Brewster goes, hey, man, like, just have fun. Like, if you don't, if you don't have fun, like, like I said, this is the best time of your life. Like the next four years for me are going to be the most like crucial. And like, like that's my life. Like the next four years is, is how I start my life. And, um, that, uh, that's just a, it's just a thing that like, no matter if you, and I, and I honestly, I don't recommend committing that early. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, people do it. I did it. But this is coming from a guy that did it. And it's just, it's, I'm not saying don't do it, but it's easier to have fun and learn how to have fun under the radar. And then you can do it and then handle a little bit of adversity. But people look at you differently if you're a junior going to, you know, Arkansas or a, Freshman going to Arkansas. Yeah. People yeah. take that different. Because, I mean, like, a freshman's a 14-year-old kid. And uh, a 14-year-old kid throwing 86. I mean, like, that. that and people are like, well, 86, I mean, whatever. But, I mean, if the one time you fail, people are just going to – they're just going to dog you. And the 10 times you succeed, it's like, yeah, whatever, he's supposed to do that. Yeah. I'm – I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I, I mean, not maybe not like me as a, personally. I wasn't. I never committed to a power five school as a freshman or anything like that. But I understand where you're coming from. I've I've heard that a couple times from players just saying how, like, I mean, they have parents that are chirping at them from yeah, other teams. Yeah, I mean, teams. It, it's it's. And I'm sure I'm sure that's 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 rough to have, especially as a 14, 15 year old kid. Mm. But for sure, I mean, it's just it's just it's not right. It's really not for a kid that age have to deal with that. It's just not right. And uh, we got kid. I mean, I know we, there's 2020, you know, 2026 and whatever. Throwing 91, all that, yada, yada, yada. And you do get excited. You do. And I was I was so pumped. Like when T, when when I called TCU and they answered and they're like, hey, man, what's up? Like I was pumped. 
Like I was walking around my house. I was pacing in my house. <laughs> like when I the first phone call we had, I think I walked two miles in my house. Uh, but uh, man, it's just it, it it makes me laugh. It really did teach me a life lesson that hey, life life is just is a beautiful thing, and no matter what happens, you always have yourself and and your word and. I feel like that means everything. And uh, just just take it slow. There's no need to get in a rush. Because when you start rushing, that's when stuff starts, you know, feels like it's not going your way. You, you feel like, oh, this is not what I planned. This is not what I wanted. Or just, just, just calm down and just, and just take it slow. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that'd be my advice to my ninth grade self. Okay. So you said you played your high school ball. Um, in high in uh, Arkansas at that small high school. Mm-hmm. So what was that transition to IMG? So did you start playing? So was this past season your first season at IMG? This was my first year at IMG, yes, sir. Oh, this year, this. So you've actually never played at IMG before? No, no, no. Last year, excuse me. Last year was my first season. At IMG. Okay. Okay. One. So let's dig in. Let's dig into that a little bit. Obviously, you have to be very good to play IMG. Obviously, you're on TCU. You're a great ball player. But what was that transition like to IMG? How, what was the thought process with your family? Um, can you kind of take us through how that all went down? For sure. Uh, so, I mean, it all started. Uh, my dad has his business in Clinton, Arkansas, which is where I went to my local high school. We lived about 20 minutes from the school. And uh, I would do my homeschool and my training with Coach Abreu in the morning, and then I would go to the high school at 145. So I'd leave Coach Abreu at 1, go to the high school at 145, Go to pra- I'd go straight to the field after that class and uh, do all that. I mean, the field – like, the field, we actually took pretty good care of the field. Um, and uh, it uh, – it's a small high school, dude. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to it. It's like when, – but when I got to IMG and walked in that stadium, I was like, dude, like, this is – this is pretty – this is pretty freaking cool. Yeah. I mean – the training, the facilities, everything down there. I mean, dude, it's it's pretty nice. And uh it was it was weird getting into that. I've never really had a a good like high school baseball team to play on. Like going into IMG, I was like like I've never I don't know how to I've always had to be the the leader in the and do everything and, like, get everybody to come do BP. It's like everybody does it here for you. It was weird. It was like people are already doing stuff that I had to do. Coaches do it instead of me. It's uh, – I'm not, I'm not bashing. I'm not bashing Clinton High School or anything. But, like, it, it was just pretty disorganized, you know. And uh, the IMG, it's a whole – it's a whole different level. It's, it's, it's college baseball. It's it's college baseball, yeah. And um, the way that the coaches take you in and like, hey, this is what you're doing wrong, but here are some things that you do good. But here's some things we can do to keep those good things and to fix those bad things. And we got the rap soto and the track man and all that. We got the covered we got the covered cages. Like I've never had any of that at my old high school, so it was different. For sure, and the weight room, everything. I'm sure everybody's seen the weight room. I mean, it's it's just crazy, like the way that 
and and they take care of it too like i mean the pictures don't even do justice of like how taken care of um the weight room and everything is we have our strength and conditioning coach uh will towsley or um jack hurts those are two uh strength and conditioning coaches and um they just the way that they they take us and like mold them they mold a man out of you i'll tell you that yeah so when were those when did those thoughts start creeping into your head that maybe okay let's let's maybe look into going to img let's maybe leave clinton high school how did that all go down like how like how did you go transfer from clinton high school all the way down to florida playing at img uh it's really been it's kind of been a thought for a while uh my dad always pitched it to me he wanted me to go to a summer camp down there but um i never did they had so we filled out a we filled out a sheet uh, when I was 11 to go to a summer camp, but never did. And um, then they uh, they reached out and uh, told me to come down and come on a visit. And I came down there, and it was it was pretty sweet, you know. I mean, they uh, when I went out on the field, they were taking BP. I mean, it looked like a I was getting ready to watch a big league baseball game. Yeah. Um, uh, they said, well, we hope you like it. We hope to see you next year, whatever, whatever. Um, we'd love to have you all that. And, uh, you know, a few odd something months later, we just made it happen, dude. And, um, got there and, um, it was a, it was a little fish in a big pond. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, just a kid from Arkansas that's never seen anything like this. Just it, it, it was, it was surreal. Like all the other kids were used to it, and I was like, "Dude, this is crazy." Yeah. So like, you say, go ahead. Um. So you said earlier that it's kind of like college baseball. Obviously, IMG is no, known for that. Um, just being that college atmosphere. Mm-hmm. A couple other guys I've had from IMG, they've kind of said the same thing. So what's that average school day like? Because obviously you guys have classes in different buildings, right? You're walking around. It's kind of like a college campus, right? Oh, for sure. Um, so my day starts at 740. Uh, I get up at probably 645, uh, take a shower, you know, do everything, get ready, eat. And then um, I walk out my door. I actually live. I live right off the campus in the villas, which is kind of like a little, uh, little condo. It's like 200 feet from the gate. I don't know if you've had any, had any non-boarding students on, but most of the kids board and they stay in the dorms, but I stay in the, uh, in the condos, which means I can leave the school, whatever you kind of, and, uh, I, uh, I drive to school. I get there at probably seven thirty. Sit down in class, wait till forty. Uh, each class is forty five minutes, so we have three classes, and then uh, we get done around we get done around eleven, right at eleven, and uh, you go get lunch, do whatever, relax for a minute till about one thirty. I can't speak for all other uh, sports. Or everybody, but uh, I, I went to the field at probably – I probably got to the field at 1230. I'd hit a little bit before, uh, just, you know, get get loose, hit with my uh, hitting coach, John Ford Griffin. And um, I would – I mean, it's, it's, it's 
it's the best way to develop yourself as a player. Just everything they provide, you have all the tools. There's no excuse for you to go to IMG and not be the best athlete you've ever imagined yourself to be because they give you everything. They do that. They they provide they provide baseballs, t work. You never have to worry about any of that. There's no excuse for like some kids go there and they kind of just nod it off or whatever, and they like yeah I'll go hit for thirty minutes after practice and I'll be good. But here's my thinking when I got there. I said all these other kids are doing the same thing that I'm doing, so that means they're just getting the same amount of better than I am. Like you have to, you have to find the extra, and make the extra normal, and then find some extra after that, kind of deal. Like you can't, like if you do the same, if me and so and so do the same workouts, we just the same amount of reps. We just did the, we just got the same amount of better. Yeah. So like, you, so you say a lot of players on that. You say a lot of players at IMG. They're there. They're doing that extra that most people aren't doing at other high schools, but IMG hmm. that's normal. So, obviously, that was shown this year. I mean, you guys had, what, six, seven guys drafted. Obviously, right. Elijah Green, Jackson Ferris were a couple guys day one. But I kept seeing – as I was going through that draft track for these past couple of days, I kept seeing IMG Academy. Mm-hmm. What was that like, seeing a bunch of guys who were one year older than you getting drafted in the MLB draft? Man, it makes me proud, dude, because, like, Elijah – and I'll get to all the other guys, but, I, I mean, I just got to say – I don't know for anybody that listens to this or if you've ever talked to Elijah, but that is the nicest young man that I've ever met. He's he's just, he's the, he's the best teammate. He's the best player. And he the good student. I mean, he just, he does. Elijah does all the little things, right? He, um, he's the humblest guy in the, in the room. He, you'll never hear him say something like, petty or yeah like i'm elijah green whatever whatever like you would never know if you talked to him if that was elijah green and that's that's honestly that's that's what i like about elijah i not even it's a bonus that he's a good player he um he's just a he's a good dude yeah so and, uh, what was so overall, what was your relationship with obviously Elijah Jackson Ferris, <laughs> and then a couple of the other guys that were drafted this past this past week? So uh, me and Elijah actually uh, had class every <laughs> we had class every morning at seven forty first period, and Elijah sat behind me, and uh, it was me, Greg Marmo, and Elijah Green, and it was we were the only three dudes like on that side in the class. And uh, we would just, I mean, we would just, you you just have to, you just have to know the way that me and Greg and Elijah just talk to each other. It's just me and Greg would always, you know, make jokes with Elijah or whatever, like, uh, like, <laughs> like talking about uh, the teacher, it was government class. The teacher was talking about getting drafted and Greg was like, oh, Elijah, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, it's just Elijah, he just, we just became friends, kind of, and um, it's a friendship that uh, that you know he, he didn't you don't he didn't even have to say anything to you like for it to be uh, for you to learn something from it, and um, 
it's just uh he's just a great dude and uh and I and I wish him the best and his family the best and uh nothing but safety and uh and just and just good wisdom for him. And uh if he if he stays on the track that he's in, we'll see him one day at uh at in a nationals uniform. I, I do believe that very one day very soon actually. And uh yeah. Jackson Jackson's kind of a quiet guy. He's a good dude though, super nice. He's funny. Um but he uh Jackson Jackson's crazy dude. It's like uh it, it's so it's so natural to him. Just throw just throwing a baseball is so natural to him. It's so smooth. And um I was catching his bullpen the first like one of the first days. He didn't even know who I was. <laughs> I was like I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was. And uh dude, it was just like a it's like a it's like a ninety two mile an hour like sinker that just I I couldn't even tell you the way that this ball moved. I almost missed it. I was like, damn. Uh that's where I kinda I kinda just, you know, met those guys. Me and Brady actually were in the same catching group. And Brady got picked yesterday to the Brewers. Proud of him for that. But me and Brady actually started off with a little bit of uh a little bit of beef and um it's also something that uh is is good because it ta- i feel like it taught us both something brady was the you know he was the guy and uh i i just you know kind of challenged him a little bit just you know like i kind of wanted just to test my boundaries and um me and brady you know got into some arguments or whatever but um looking back on it now i uh i i appreciate everything and he he taught me how to handle img and how to take on with it me and him we've gone golfing a few times like i mean we're buddies and uh and i'm proud of him for uh going to the brewers and i hope i wish him the best whether he goes to lsu or not all the other guys jp i wish them all the best and uh Wherever they go, I think they're going to do great things. Yeah. So obviously, at most high schools, if you're a if you're a TCU commit, Texas commit, any if you, LSU, if you're going to a Power Five school, obviously you're kind of you're kind of that team leader as a freshman mm-hmm. sophomore. Sure. Just go, just be because you're a Power Five guy and you're just that great talent. For sure. But at IMG, when you have that many guys who are drafted every year, is it that same way, or how exactly does that work? Is it usually the seniors who are still kind of the leaders? How exactly is that going on? especially with you guys having so many guys going to power fives, getting drafted in those first couple of rounds. How, how does the, how, how is that outlook on IMG? When you have that many baseball players that think like that, the, the thing to do and the thing that we did is you take everybody to become one. It was 12 guys becoming one player and becoming one leader altogether. When you got 12 guys that are leaders walking around like that, it's the best environment that you'll ever be in because everybody's holding everybody accountable. There's no one that's letting anybody, you know, do anything that's uncalled for. Like let's say the so-and-so gives up a home run to go ahead the game. And let's say that the third baseman goes in the dugout and just jumps him, just dogs him. Like, and like that just doesn't happen because 
it's like, hey, I got you. It's a, hey, I got you thing. Like, if he gave up a home run, I guarantee it, the next 11 guys are going to come up to him and say, like, hey, I got you. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a, it's a one – everybody becomes one mentality. That's so I'd say it. So what's what's going to be the outlook on this year's team? Obviously, I know there's Dean Moss, Noah Franco, you as well. Um, I guess that I really don't know who else is going to be on this IMG roster next year. But after losing that many guys to college and pro ball, um, what's the outlook on next year's team? Who are some other guys to be looking out for? And um, another thing, I know when I talked to Noah Franco, he said IMG has like a like an underclass and an upperclass team. Mm-hmm. So is this going to be your first year playing with Noah, or how exactly does how how exactly does that work at IMG? Because obviously think, it's not your normal JV mm-hmm. varsity. Yes, uh, I think that. Uh... I think Noah has got a shot this year to actually he, – uh, he he's definitely going to be up on the – he'll be on the board for sure. Dean, Tayshawn Walton, uh, Hunter Baines. I think – I'm going to be honest. Like, last year's team was good, dude, but I think this team looks really good. Max Coffer, this, this year's team looks super good. So, just look, going back on that question – um, so, like I said, so Noah and Dean, they didn't play with Elijah and Jackson, right, this past year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's, there's national, one, two, three, junior national. And um, so, it's like, uh, it's like, a, it's it's super hard to explain. I'd have to show, I'd have to actually show you on a paper how it kind of like, so every, each player gets moved, like you get moved around. So, let's say that Noah does this and this and this and national one needs a left fielder. Well, he would go play left field for them for two or three games and then go back to national three or two or junior national. It's, it's just, uh, it's, it's weird. It's like, it's kind of all one team. Each player is on every roster. Okay. Yeah. So are there, are there, so obviously are there players who are on national one team or the national two and three? Or is it kind of everyone's just flipped around? Everyone's kind of just flipped around on it. Uh, it's it's back and forth, uh, switching and just trying to find. It's uh, it's college ball. Whoever's performing is going to be on the is going to be up there. Okay, so technically, national one is kind of like A team, then B, then That's C A-team. team. Technically, mm-hmm. okay. That's right. But even even guys who are on that C team at IMG, they're still guys who are going to power to, five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're, we're I mean, power five top to bottom. That's, that's, that's incredible. That's a, that's obviously I can see why you switched from Clinton to IMG. I mean, that <laughs> makes total sense, but um, where, so obviously with you, when, when exactly this class has started IMG this fall? Uh, I start the 30th, 30th of oh, July oh, or August, August. Okay. So are you ready to be a senior? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody hates school or class more than Triplanders. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I've so I was held back here in kindergarten, so I should I should be a 22. I'm a super old 23, and uh, and I I I've had senioritis since uh, my junior year, so, so I am ready, but uh, I mean. Dude, it's just – it's a lot to take in. I mean, we sign in November, which is just 
absolutely crazy to me that everything's here now. It's, it's, uh, life. I was like, man, this, it'll never, it'll never be here. All that. And I'm signing my national letter of intent in November. It's just, uh, I am ready, but I'm not, my mom's not ready. Uh, she's only got one more, uh, to get out of the house. My little sister, uh, who's also going to go to TCU. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready, but, uh, I, I'm ready to turn the page in my life and, uh, become a man and go down to Dallas Fort Worth and play baseball and do it, you know, and just do it for my, for my heart and my family. And, uh, hopefully can make that city proud and, uh, go to a national championship. Yeah. So overall, just personal. So this, this is a two, this is a two question. All right. So, uh, what are you thinking you need to do to prepare to be that senior? This can be personally. And then on the baseball field, what do you need to prepare <laughs> to be that senior guy on IMG's team, obviously a bunch of guys there, well, who are going to power five, but what, what do you need to do, to do to prepare as a person and as a ball player to be a senior IMG? I need to, um, I'm always working on flexibility. I do have knee problems really bad. So it, it's challenging for me more than, more than others to, you know, get down in that squat. But, um, I'm working with the best physical therapist in the world at IMG and they take, they're taking really good care of me, recovering me. I mean, I go to the ice bath every day after practice and I go get a stretch every day before practice with heat and all that, but uh, really just flexibility and um, mentally, I, I just, you just got to stay on that schoolwork, dude. I mean, that's, that's the number one thing. Like, I mean, I hate – the number one thing I don't like about school is I – as I try really hard, but I absolutely hate school. Uh, I I just hate it. it. But it's something that I realized, and um, I realized this my sophomore year, that you it, it's inevitable. You have to do it. So, I mean, just why not? Just I mean, just do your best. And it, when you start doing your best, and for all the people that say they're not smart, it's probably because they're not trying. Because, I mean, school's not – it's not it's not hard. All you got to do is listen. Yeah. And and just put in a little bit of, you know, self-discipline and effort, and it'll go super far. Yeah. People say it's like, hey, this is impossible. And, and I'll tell you, your junior year is going to be the hardest year of your life. I mean, junior year for me, dude, it was hard. Like, the schoolwork was super hard. And um, my senior year is honestly a breeze. And yeah, I feel like I have just – all the weight lifted off my shoulders and, um, and, uh, IMG requires tutors for every class tutoring, every class in it. They do it from three to seven. So, I mean, like I said, IMG gives you all the tools. There's no excuse for you not to be great at IMG. Yeah. I, I remember. So I'm, I'm a couple years older than you. So I, I remember, I remember going into my senior year being like, man, I, ready to be a senior, ready to, ready to be done with all these classes. And mm. have, I had that senioritis and oh, yeah. my senioritis a little bit more because my senior year was that COVID year. So as, oh, as wow. we were winding, as we were winding down, we get, I mean, obviously every, all the seniors are like, Oh heck yeah. I, I just got a couple more classes to finish. I'm good to go. And that COVID hit. And I mean, we, I mean, not be, uh, trying to do schoolwork at home, especially when you're so close to graduation. I mean, that's, oh, yeah, so that, that was tough to do. I kind of, I kind of pushed it off and 
I mean, I was I was lucky. I was lucky enough to um, have have most of my classes done, so it was nice. But I I remember having that senioritis, having to. But um, oh well. Uh, moving in, moving on to a little bit of your TCU days. So let's dig into the recruiting process a little bit to how you got sure. to TCU. Um, so you said you committed as a ninth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's dig into how that recruiting process started for you, and when did when did you start getting noticed by some D one teams? Okay, so. When I was um, when I was in the eighth grade, I was really um, I was really infatuated with the Horn Frogs. My dream—it's been my dream school since I could even think. Like I'd always see it when I would watch baseball with my dad when I was like seven, eight, whatever, and it was just. I just I loved everything about it. I love the area. Every time we go to Dallas in Fort Worth, I would always ask if we go see TCU. And um and it, it was it was a hard decision. It really was me being an Arkansas kid. Cause I did talk to Arkansas and um and they have a great program, great coaches. And um it, it was super hard. Uh but um, the uh, it all started with I went to a camp in the eighth grade and did pretty good. Uh, had a pretty good stat line, and I didn't hear from him for probably six ish months. Then Brewster texted me and goes, "Hey, call this number in twenty five minutes, whatever." I was like, "Yes, sir." Twenty five minutes go by. I call it and I'm like, hello, this is Trip Landers. And he goes, hey, this is John DeLar, which is the now the assistant coach at TCU. John, love John. And he's been nothing but a great coach. And, a, and they, uh, the TCU coaches feel more like they make you feel like a friend, like you have a, like you have someone to openly talk to about baseball. Yeah. And, um, me and John, that first conversation, like I said, I probably walked two miles in my house. Um, I was just so nervous. And he was like, he could tell. He was like, hey, man, there's nothing. To, he's like, you, you just loosen up, dude. Like, it's, it's going to be a long road. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And then he was like, hey, just call me twice a week and and or more if you want. Just tell me if you have anything. And I was like, yes, sir, um, we'll do. And we, uh, I called him twice, three times a week, told him, sent him videos. And, um, and they liked it. My ninth grade year, they came and watched me at Lake Point in June. Uh, I got offered June 13th that night uh, at TCU. And um, I waited about a week. I talked it over with my parents. At the time, I was also talking to some other schools, um, Arkansas being one of them. And my dad was like, just please wait a week. A week. Please just wait. I was like, Dad, I, this is what I want. And this is this is the part where I don't think that ninth graders are mature enough to make a decision like this. Like, cause that, I mean, they just don't know. And my dad was like, please just wait. Trust me. And 
in in my mind, I was like, oh, screw my dad. I, he doesn't know. He didn't get it. Um, but looking back on it now, I'm I'm thankful that I waited a week, just because, like, even though I did like it, I loved TCU. It was still a toss up in the air. Like, I mean, I, um, I didn't even discuss it with my family or anything. And my family wanted me to be a hog, like my uh, my aunts and all. They wanted me because they're Razorback fans. Yeah, I'm sure, especially being in Arkansas. Oh yeah, my my family were absolute diehard Razorback fans. It's crazy. We're absolute diehard Razorback fans, and um, and I still am a Razorback fan. I will forever be a Razorback fan until we have to play them. Um, but uh. I mean, the recruiting process with TCU is pretty straightforward. They like to get to know you. It takes time. I talked to them for probably – probably – I probably talked to them for two months, two or three months before they offered me every week. Um, they offered me in June, June 13th. Uh, I committed uh, ex- exactly a week later. And um, it it's just it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing to look back on now, and to say that I've done that and I've acquired such credit over my life um, and through my baseball career, uh, it's something that I'll never forget. Uh, they were they TCU. They're very open. They came in with open arms. Um, they uh. Every time that I came to like campus, they were like, "Hey, go look at this. We'll leave this for you. Whatever, yada yada yada." The locker room, they they knew I loved the locker room, and they let me go in there and look at it, all that. And I mean, it was just like it was a dream come true for a ninth grade kid, dude. Yeah. And, and looking on it now, like I'm about to spend every day in it. It's just it's a it's all it's a bittersweet kind of thing. Yeah. So going back into that first conversation you had with the coach. And you're, you're just pacing around your house. You said you walked yeah. two miles around your house. So what was that initial conversation like? So was he asking you a bunch of questions? What was he asking you? Uh, what was he kind of pitching the university to you about? Um, kind of just dig into that initial conversation of what you kind of remember. I'll say this. I, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. And uh, he asked me one question that was related to baseball. One question. And it was, when do you play next? Everything that he asked me was about me. Hey, what? What's your favorite color? Like you know, like just quite like just learning me. Like, who's your family? Like, tell me about your family. Tell me, you know, what do you like to do? How often do you like to uh, be around baseball? Just it's it was it was like we're it's like I met a friend kind of like I met a dude on a park bench kind of yeah. He was just like he was just asking me these questions about myself, and I was asking him questions about himself because I mean, he said the number one thing he wants to do is build the best relationship that we possibly can. Yeah, like he walked up to me in Hoover, and uh, and I had my butt, I had two buttons undone on my jersey, and he was like, he's like, damn it, trip, come here, and then he buttoned him up, and he was like, you're a mess, dude. It's kind of like, kind of just like. Just it, it, it's a 
it's a relationship that I uh, that I'm glad that I have with a coach. So um, that that's a that's a big deal to me having that type of relationship with a player. Yeah, and I respect that a lot. Yeah. So when you were going through that process, you, obviously you said you were talking to Arkansas. That's where your mm-hmm. aunts, uncles wanted you to go. But who are some other teams that you were talking to throughout the process? Um, I talked to Missouri a little bit. Um, my actually, one of my best friends goes to Missouri right now, Peyton Nelson. He's the um incoming shortstop. He um, me and him both love Missouri. Um, Oregon State, they uh, said something to Brewster, but Brewster said there ain't no way in hell that Trip Landers is going to Oregon State. <laughs> Trip Landers ain't going to be up there in the cold like that. Um, a bunch of Arkansas schools, A-State, um, Euler. But, uh, I mean, really, I, I – Told schools like real. I had two schools like that. I was like, I, that's the two schools that I really want. Like anytime that Brewster said, "Hey, do you want to talk to this school? They like you." I'd be like, "No, these like these are the two schools that I want." Yeah, and obviously Which, that second school was Arkansas, right? Yes, sir. Arkansas, okay. T- Arkansas, TCU was like, it was either that or JUCO. Like that, that was it. Like okay, so it was, it was that was it. So dig it into that TCU or Arkansas. Obviously, families in Arkansas. That's mm-hmm. Arkansas's closer. You love every time you go to Dallas. You want to see TCU. You love their locker room. Everything you love about the coaching staff. What was it that was just the final thing that was just like okay, T- it's going to be TCU over Arkansas. That's where I'm going. I'm going to Fort Worth and I'm going to school in Fort Worth. Um, TCU was, you know, I uh, try to be careful what I say here, but like. I'm not bashing Arkansas. I love Arkansas. The coaching staff, they're, they're great. And um, and all my teammates are going to Arkansas. Like, if you look at the sticks roster, there's 40,000 Arkansas commits. Yeah, that's that's um, something something I noticed. I was uh, last, oh, yeah. last summer was kind of my first kind of year getting into this, trying to oh, dig yeah. it a little bit more. And when Cobra kept – Black Cobra, when he kept posting oh, – yeah. Stuff about the sticks, I would like. I would he tag a player, I'd be like, okay. I tag onto their profile. It says Razorback commit class of 2026 or something. So yeah, and so, yeah. And I'm just Brewster guy. He has he's got that connection with all those Arkansas dudes. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. And uh, and I would just sit there and think. I would sit there and think like, uh, and um. He would uh, – Brewster would just he, – he just – he always would throw Arkansas these kids, these Arkansas kids because it's easy to do, you know. It's easy to get an Arkansas kid to be like, oh, my gosh, the Razorbacks. Yeah, especially with Arkansas being so good. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a I – mean, when you get – it's the number one – it's the number one stadium in, in college baseball. I mean, it looks – it looks like a professional stadium. Yeah, Baum Walker's yeah. Baum Walker's beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I love going there myself. Um, it's a. It was. A, it's hard to explain the decision that I had to make, but I mean, like, I I wanted to be. I didn't want to be every other stick that went. To, I wanted to do something different. And um. I want to do something different. My mom actually wanted me to go to TCU. Okay. We had a kind of a poll 
in my family just to like see where everybody was at and it, and I just told him no bias just straight up just be honest and my mom was like I want you to go TCU and uh I was like okay and it shocked me my um my mother uh just she loves that campus she loves that area uh and my mom is someone that I'll forever take advice from and um, she told me, I want to get, I want you to go TCU. I was like, all right, mom, I'll take it into consideration. My dad said, I want you to go wherever's going to make you happy. And um, my little sister, who I love, and um, she was like, well, I like TCU. And she was super young at the time. And, uh, so it was kind of just, it was kind of just, uh, it was a, Throw up in the air, like my family's always. Every time I see it, they're like, "Hey, have you, have you tried, have you tried thinking about being a Razorback yet?" I was like, "I don't think I will." And then, like I said, my family's just diehard Razorback fans, and they're always joking with me how they're gonna have to wear purple. And but um, it's it was a it was a tough decision, dude. And uh, just being an Arkansas kid, like you feel you feel an attachment that you have to Baumwalker into the stadium and just the area and it being on your home, on your home state, your home turf. And, um, it's tough, but, uh, my, uh, my heart just told me, you know, TCU and that's, that's just where I'm going to take my talents. Yeah. So you, obviously you've been, you've been to visits in Fort Worth. So obviously Fort Worth, Dallas area, it's a beautiful area. You got the Texas Rangers there, bunch of, bunch of cool things to do. So, what was your visit like when you went to Fort Worth? I assume you've probably been there a couple times. So, what was your what has your visits been like? What have you seen, not just with the Texas baseball, the TCU baseball program, but in the city around the campus? What are some things that you've seen you you like you've really liked so far? Um, just overall, what's your thoughts on the Fort Worth Dallas area? Dude, I mean, it's just it's a it's a place where it's everything is every you can do anything that you want. I mean, the food, everything, the people there are super nice. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a southern state. I was going to say I was going to stay in the southern states anyway. Um, just the when you walk around the campus, you feel uh, you feel free in a way like the campus is very open. It's very beautiful. If you've never seen it, it's it's even on pictures. It's it, it's very beautiful. And, um, the, it has a, it has a, they have chapel on Thursdays. That's something that I'll be going to. Um, it's just a, it's, it just felt more right for me. And the, uh, the campus is, like I said, beautiful. They have, um, the basketball games through the basketball gym is electric. I mean, it's everything about the school, the indoor football. I mean, it's, it's all electric. They they never let you get bored. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, like well, I've I've actually never been to the TCU campus, but I I'm gonna if I had to bet on it, I would assume these next couple of years I will probably be making a visit there. Um, spring break this past year, I went, and I went to Fort Worth just with a couple of buddies, and Fort Worth was awesome. I went to the stockyards there, that little oh brick, yeah, that little, like little little town they have within the city. Oh, yeah. I thought that was amazing. That's uh, a place I've, I've been looking into something possibly moving by, uh, moving to once I graduate from Indiana. Oh, yeah. But um, obviously you, 
I got Nolan, the Nolan Traeger. Um, his brother's going there as well. Blake right. Larson. I mean, I've gotten to know you guys a little bit just through the podcast, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, it's pretty safe to say I'll probably be at a TCU baseball game these oh, next yeah, couple years yeah. watching you guys play some ball. Oh, yeah. Traeger, oh, he did. He's a good kid. I like him. Yeah. So who are some – so obviously Traeger, but who are some of the other committed TCU players that you've kind of built relationships already just as you're preparing to um, head to campus next fall? Uh, Jax Lewis, the right-handed pitcher. Uh, he um, he actually just went through uh, elbow surgery. Um, Godspeed recovery for him. Uh, me and him, uh, we talk every day. I mean, it's like, it's a, uh, it's a. He lives in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, we talk every day about you know what we're gonna do and uh, how we hope that life goes, and um, and I, I, he's he's been a really good friend to me and a really good dude since uh, since he committed, uh, and uh, Zach Wattis, all those guys. I mean, the TCU twenty three like class is actually pretty close like more than others i would believe micah kendrick um we that group chat is always always got something going on in it and i um i don't see that with a bunch of other you know committed classes like when we go somewhere and uh they say that kid's committed arkansas and i ask one of the arkansas commits if they know him they're like no like i don't i don't like i don't understand that in a way because the TCU class, we're just – we're so connected. And the coaches want us to be connected. Like, when we get uh, – when we all get to campus, come back, we never shift to beat, you know. Um, yeah. It's just – it's a – it's, again, having a relationship. Yeah, uh, obviously, build, you want to build that team chemistry. And, oh, sure. I mean, I've you're right. I mean, there are a lot of classes, like 22, 23, 24 I've talked to where they're like, oh, like, we know of the person, but we're not really like, – close with them. And then I do have a couple players who I've had on who will be like, yeah, I mean, we've had, we have group chats. We talk all the time. We're like best friends. So it's definitely, it's definitely better to have that team chemistry oh, before you sure. head to campus. I mean, and it's, and I'm sure it's going to prove itself here in a couple of years. Uh, Cause obviously the, the quicker you build that team chemistry, the better you guys are going to play together. So oh, it's sure. good to see, but um, you said you like TCU, obviously for their coaching staff, you said you built that like pretty much friend, friend bond. With um, what was his name? The guy with the uh, the guy who with the initial phone call. Uh, John. John. Okay, so you said you built that friend friend type friendship type bond with John. Um, but o- overall, since committing, how is your relationship with the entire TCU coaching staff? How has it evolved? Um, it's really just. I mean, it just gets better. You know, they just the older you get, the more they treat you like a man, and um. Uh, a lot that comes with a lot of responsibility, and uh, like you can't you can't act a fool in a game or I mean you have to. St- it's all about keeping your composure, really. But um, our relationship, I mean, it, it's just gotten better. Like Coach Charlos, um, congratulations to him. This that was his first season as the head coach, new head coach, which um, he did actually a really good job. I think he's going to do great things for the program, and um. Coach Delora, same thing. First season as an assistant coach. I think that they'll both do great things for the program, and um, it's it's a uh, it's something that you'll remember, you know, for the rest of your life. And I think that uh, the number one thing you can do is just not take any of this for granted, and uh, 
just the the relationship that you build and have that's just something that you'll you'll just you'll grasp onto for the rest of your life yeah so you've had so when you committed the head coach who was there when you committed is not the head coach there anymore so right. when that coach when that head coaching when when the head coach did change and they were going through that changing process what sure. was your mindset on that like were you thinking okay like I might like obviously when so, sometimes the head coaches leave some players decommit so was mm-hmm. that like a, a thought in your mind at all where you're like TC's where I'm going I like the other additional coaching staff they have so I'm staying here or what was your thought process when they were going through coaches my uh, my mindset was like I'm staying till they tell me to leave kind of okay so let's and uh let's, they um it was scary it really was it was like, hey, man, like, what are we going to do? And John was like, hey, man, y'all are good. It's okay. Just just, just hold on. Uh, everything's going to be okay. We didn't know who was going to be the head coach. It really depended on who was going to be the head coach. And it, it, it honestly, it was, it was a, it was a relief when we found out that Coach Sarlos was going to take over because we already knew him. Yeah. And Coach Carlos was the head recruiting coordinator. And Coach Delara was the assistant head recruiting coordinator. So it was it was two guys that we already knew that were going into the coaching spot. So it it was honestly it was a sign of relief. And um it made me feel really good about the program's future and I think it's it's looking really good. Yeah. So let's Let's move on a little bit just to talk about actually your on your on the field play. So right. on the perfect game website, you're listed as a catcher, third baseman, and an outfielder. Yes, sir. So when you do head to TCU next year, what do you what do you think the plan is there? Like have you talked to the coaching staff at all about, okay, maybe I'm gonna play here a little bit more, um, or are you sticking plan on sticking behind the plate? What exactly is going on there? Oh, I personally love being behind the plate. I love being able to see the field. So that's hopefully where I stay. I um, I actually was never an infielder until I met Coach Abreu. He's from the Dominican. So we took ground. I've taken ground balls every day since the seventh grade. So it's um, it's something I've developed over time, and uh, I do I do love playing third base, second base, and uh, when I do go to the outfield, it's typically left field. Because I'm not, the, I'm not the fastest guy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, most – I mean, obviously, most catchers aren't. But, I mean, yeah. you're typically yeah. not an issue. So, um, so when you're – when you dig digging into hitting a little bit. So, digging, let's dig into your hitting approach. So, when you're on deck, you're watching the pitcher, watching the guy in front of you, and then you're, start, you're walking up to the plate. What's your mindset? What are you thinking? What are you trying to do with each at-bat? So I feel like an approach starts before you even leave the hotel. When you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed, it's all about how you prepare right there. And it sounds it sounds funny, but I promise if you do if you just do everything in a routine and you just get that routine going and you start building that 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 mindset before and when you get to the park it's already there. Like hey, I woke up this morning, brushed my teeth, got breakfast, focused up. Now I'm ready to go. I left. I got to the park. Like when I show up to the park, I, I walk in uh, with my bats in the same hand every time. 
I mean, I do everything in a, it's a list. I show up, I joke with the guys a little bit, you know, whatever, whatever, get everybody going and, um, go to the cages and then, and just don't talk. I just don't talk. Go to the cages, focus up. And when I get in the cage, I think, um, I think I, I try to hit it at the right handed batter's box. I try to hit, I try to hit the ball down and hit a ground ball that will hit the bat, the right-handed batter's box. And what is, what's the reasoning for that? It is, it's, it's repetition. It's not even where the ball's going. It's, I don't even think where the ball's going. I want to have, when I go in the cage, each round is the same swing. and I want the ball to go to the same spot every time. Okay. So it's a, it's really just get loose, do all that. Try to hit the ball down. I actually hit with A-Rod one time, and he put a cone, like, right in front of the right-handed batter's box. And he said, make that ball hit that cone right there. And I was like, that's okay, that's stupid, but whatever. And um, and I just hit a I hit a line drive to between the 5-6 hole, or a ground ball. And he was like, do you know why I had to do that? I was like, no. And he said, because that was the same swing every time. And that's, that's, that's repetition. And you build that repetition, you get in the game. You, when I get in the game, I've never, I never, every time that I think about hitting a home run, it just doesn't work. It never works. I think one hopper, I think short hop is short stop. Hit a line drive, short hop is short stop. That's really my approach. It's pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's get in the box, tap the plate three times on the two corners and then the back corner, hit my foot, scoot up in the box. Uh, if I see a dude throwing a curveball, I scoot up. If I see him, he's going to bust me in, I scoot back. If I see he's throwing harder and he's got a two seam that's pretty good, I scoot back in the box. It's all my – I really don't have a – I just do whatever's going to work right there. Like Pete Rose kind of said that. I use that. I just think I think good approach comes from when you wake up in the morning. Just like when you when you wake up with a certain mindset, you work and like you just wake up with that with that confidence. When you don't wake up and you don't have any confidence and you start having doubt in yourself, you beat yourself before you even get to the field. Yeah. And you let's say you do all that and you go over 3, well that's baseball. Tomorrow you go three for three. You're you're batting, you know, six hundred. Like yeah. I mean, it's a it's a trial and error kind of thing, and I think that repetition becomes if you do enough repetition, that's how you'll make your approach. Yeah. If you get a, if you get enough repetition, but uh, yeah, I mean, really, just hit a line drive to shortstop every time. I don't care if it's an inside pitch, outside pitch, up. I try to hit a line drive to shortstop every time. Okay, so top. You said you actually had a. You said you learned that repetition from A Rod. So how did you get connected with A Rod to have a have a um, hitting session with him? And then what? How did that session go? What What was he showing you? Um, uh, so my my grandfather actually um, knows A Rod through business, and he was helping A Rod get some uh, business acquires and just and. Uh, just helping him out, and uh, he was like, "Hey, my grandson, you know, plays baseball, whatever, whatever." And A Rod was A Rod actually said, "Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hit with him." 
And um, so we made it happen. He came and we hit for probably two hours. And he was just, he was just telling me all these things that, uh, that all went back to one thing. And it was just, don't try to do too much. He's like, overswinging is the, is the worst thing you could do. Cause when you overswing on a 95 mile an hour two seam, that's going away from you, you're probably going to miss it. But when you, when you focus on that ball coming out of the hand and you just go bat the ball, know that you're a strong kid. Like me, I'm a six foot, 198 pound white kid. It's not very fast. Like I, I'm not going to hit a, I know, I know I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to hit a, you know, ground ball to shortstop and leg it out but I'm going to try to hit something really hard to shortstop. And usually when that happens, I just swing really hard and push my barrel to the shortstop. Usually when that happens, you hit a line drive in the gap somewhere. Because, I mean, when you start that barrel, like you're hitting something to shortstop, your barrel is in the zone the whole time during your swing. And uh, he just he was just telling me, like, try to hit that cone right in front of the – and just it just create a backspin and just – that's how you create line drives and lift is backspin. Yeah. You're Still, never going to hit a home run unless you try – when you try to, unless you're Jace Blaylock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize you played with Jace Blaylock. I was – Oh, yeah. I bought, I bought that I bought that little booklet with all the rosters, and obviously the sticks was a team I wanted to go see. Mm-hmm. And I was going by, and I was like, Jace Blaylock. I was like, I remember this kid from Little League World Series. Little League World Series. Yeah, from about four or five years ago, whenever it was, when he was hitting 450-foot bombs as a 12-year-old. I <laughs> I was I texted I texted Willie I guess I don't know if you guys call him Black Cobra or Willie I texted oh, yeah. him, I was like I was like man Black I mean, uh, Playlocks on this team what the hell but that was that was crazy but when you're when you're around guys like A Rod and I, I I'm sure you've been around other guys who have p- p- played in the major leagues of, of that caliber when you're around guys like that what types of questions are you asking and overall just how are you picking their brain a little bit um I'm thinking like how do you prepare yourself how do you how do you go about success and failure and uh he always told me that um that hey yesterday's three for three doesn't make you go three for three today you know yeah it's a it's a it's a success is not owned it's rented and the rent is due every day kind of thing okay it's a um they said you just gotta. Hey, once you do something good, hey, it's okay. But you know, it's not over. Yeah, like you got to do it again tomorrow, and yeah. the next day, and the next day. Like, um, like you know, Tommy White went to IMG, right? And uh, he hit you know however many home runs he did last year. And I remember someone telling me that he, he, uh, he always was like, all right, I did, I did that. But I have to, I have to restart. I have to reset. Yeah, which I mean, very impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's that's easy to easy to um, easy to see that he, he thinks like that. Obviously, when you're when you're starting your freshman year off, and everyone's calling you Tommy Tanks, you got Barstool having shirts for you. Yeah, I know that. Like, I would I would freak out. I'd be trying to hit a home run every time. Yeah, I mean, and he just it just seemed like he kept doing it. I mean, yeah. obviously, he he had to have some type of strong mentality to, to be able oh, to yeah. continue to do that. Flipping around a little bit to when you're actually behind the plate and you're catching, um, right. are you calling games or do they or coaches calling games for you? And you're just kind of signaling to the pitcher. Uh, for the sticks, I really call pitches. 
unless Brewster really wants something. He'll be like, hey. And then he'll do the sign. Uh, but um, most of the time, 98% of the time, I'm calling the game. Okay. So when you are calling that game, what is your approach to calling the game? Because obviously in high school ball and travel ball, you're facing so many players. You kind of can't really get a scouting report on players. So what's your approach to going after certain guys and um, just kind of take us through that a little bit? Well, the guys that we do have scouting reports on, obviously it's um, it's easier. But um, before each inning, we start over the lineup. We get to the top again. I go over to our lineup card, and I see what that dude did. So, um, if they're a three-hole guy, our pitching coaches keep the pitches that they threw. And our um, coach, Tallette, our, um one of our coaches, writes down what they did. So, our pitching coach, Coach Sawyer, has the list of what pitches they threw to the guy and what happened. So I go up to his list and I look. Well, we struck him out on three curveballs and two fastballs. I go, okay. He and it'll be like L for fastball was late. Um. So the first pitch will go fastball low and away. It's that kind of thing. It's like I'm very into the history repeats itself kind of thing, and uh, I feel like. Uh, the way that I call games is I'm very aggressive about it. A lot of fastballs. Like, if you can hit it, you can rename it. Like, if you, I'm gonna pound a fastball until you hit a double. It's, okay, it's kind of my thing. We got guys like NJ Sal on the mound, Ethan Sutton, um, Josh Hyman. Those guys. I mean, they're 94, five, 96 off the mound. Like I'm. I'm not going to sit there and flip you change-ups and curveballs and sliders all day to start off the game or till you really show me that you can hit it. Like, if you, if you can hit 96 then and, and hit a double off of it, then good for you. Like, here, here you're going to get something different. But until yeah. then, until you show me that you can pound it, I'm just going to keep throwing it to you. Yeah. So have you have you obviously facing uh, uh, catching guys like Hyman, MJ Seau, uh I'm sure you taught Jackson Ferris before as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so when those pitchers like you're calling something and they kind of disagree and they shake you off, uh, like right. what? Like how do you go about that? Well, usually, and if Sal hears this, he'll he'll get pissed at me. But the uh, last game we played, I uh, he shook like four pitches in a row. And I yelled at him from the squat, which was not very good on my part. It just he uh, he likes to throw he likes to throw what he thinks, which <laughs> which is okay. It just the the time of the game was just bad when we were doing it, and um, I mean it's it's just something you got to figure out, kind of like if a dude shakes you that much, you just go up and talk to him. And I mean, I apologize to Sal when we got back to the dugout, and um, but uh, yeah, that was on my part. It was bad on me. But when you um, when you shake your catcher a bunch, I just feel like it. It shows that you don't have trust either in that pitch, or you don't trust your catcher. It's one of the two. And um, 
I feel like the number one thing you have to have is a pitcher and catchers. You got to trust the other guy, and the other guy's got to trust the other guy. Yeah. So, so that's talk, really my thinking. So you talk about trust. So when you are, let's say, when you head to TCU next fall, or even nowadays, when you when you're catching a pitcher for the first time, how do you go about kind of establishing that chemistry kind of quick, especially if you're meeting this guy for the first time and you're going to catch him in a game? Uh, you have to make the pitcher laugh. You have to. I will not catch a ball until I can see this dude smile in some type of way. It's just, it's a, it's, if you've, I mean, I get, some people are super serious, whatever, whatever. But, I mean, if you know a dude super serious like that, talk to him in the locker room. Or just, it's stat, just, like, find something before the game. You're, like, after I hit, I go straight down to with a pitcher. And we just, you know, start talking, whatever, you know. Hey, what are you doing after this? What are we going to eat? You know, and just kind of thing. Just loosen them up. I'd be like, hey, do you feel good? Yeah, no. I mean, it's just a – it's hard for me to explain because I'm naturally a very people person. Yeah. I mean, I can I can tell pretty easily by just talking to you uh, that one time in Georgia and just talking to you now. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just I, – I, I love being around people and – and just being able to, you know, make them feel good. Like, it's all about feeling good, having that having that confidence. Like I was saying, it starts when you wake up, dude. Like, you wake up and you're like, hey, I'm I'm going to be that guy today. It's just – it's it's hard for me to – it's something you really just can't teach how to be a people person because, I mean, no matter what, I mean, you still have – if you're not a people person but you act like one, you're still inside – feel that you know kind of nervous kind of me i could go talk to anybody off the street and yeah and become friends in 10 minutes you know like i'm i'm very loose and i'm very understanding and that's just that's what i do like about my game I just, as you as you head to tcu's campus here this fall i mean i'm mean not this fall but next fall what's yeah. probably the what's the biggest thing in your game that you're wanting to fix just before you head to the college campus uh probably um Mm, that's a good question. The thing I'd like to fix is I'd like to sometimes when like stuff isn't going good, I get I I get a little bit frustrated and with just like why I can't do it. Like I hate it when I when I can't help something. Like when a pitcher is frustrated I can only say so much, and it um it frustrates me, like for myself, because I can't help him, and I'm and I'm all about helping people, and yeah, I, I don't want anybody to struggle, even though it, it's it's inevitable, it's gonna happen, but I don't want anyone to struggle like that. I don't want anybody to feel that type of pressure, and when I go and do all this, and say say stuff to him, get him water, you know, whatever he uh. And he's still, you know, frustrated. It's like it, it just frustrates me for myself because I can't help him. And I've tried. My Like if I see a dude that let's say that so-and-so grounded out and they're, they're pissed off about it. Like when he goes and sits down and everybody's still watching the game, I'm going to go up to him and be like, hey, man, smile. And if they don't smile, I'm going to sit there until they smile. and be like, hey, man, you got to smile before you get up. And then they'll smile like – it's all about just breaking the ice, kind of. Yeah. Like, 
Like, hey, man, you're good. Everybody's going to pick you up. You're good. Yeah. So that's, that's the number one thing I can fix. Yeah. So let's let's move. On. I just got a couple more questions for you, man. Yeah. Um, so let's dig let's dig in beyond the baseball field a little bit. I just kind of at, at the end of the, each interview, I kind of like to talk about stuff beyond baseball. Talk about sure. maybe some beyond the field stuff. So when you're not playing baseball, I know you said you have a ranch. Your dad owns a business, but overall, what are some of your passions beyond the baseball field that you like to do when you're not playing baseball? And really, if I'm not if I'm not playing baseball, I'm either hunting, fishing, or golfing. Really, that's that, those are that's really my those are my go-to's like I those are the things I love to do I got a bunch of friends that um golf at IMG and uh a bunch of the baseball players like I go golfing with a bunch of POs and we uh Hunter Baines all that Peter Underwood we all go and we golf scramble matches or whatever I go fishing a bunch I got a boat down in Florida so I uh I brought my fishing boat so I uh I, get, I do a bunch of fishing okay and hunting, I uh, from Arkansas. So I mean, I duck hunt religiously out of the sixty days that is in season. Yeah. So what's what's that main difference between Arizona and I mean, not, not Arizona? Sorry, like I, I had that on my list because, like <laughs> I said, a, a when I saw AR, I was like, I was thinking Arizona. So that's what's on my question. So compared to when you're in Arkansas and Florida, what's that <laughs> biggest difference? Like, are you golfing in Arkansas? Are you hunting in Florida? Or how does how does that vary? Uh. Hunt, there's not really much hunting in Florida. Florida's more fishing, and the fishing is much harder out there. But uh, I uh, I golf a lot in Florida. The, the golf courses out there are incredible. But um, really, I do my most of my hunting and fishing and stuff in Arkansas. And uh, I do I do a bunch of golfing in Arkansas, but not like in Florida. It's really all hunting and fishing or golfing and fishing. Okay. So you said in Arkansas you live on a ranch. So what do you yes, guys sir. have? You guys have bulls, or what? What exactly is on the ranch? Uh, we are actually the number one cattle, cattle uh, commercial cattle farming producer in Arkansas. Okay, so I assume that is what your dad's business is that you mentioned earlier. Uh, my dad actually sells cars, has a car car dealership in Arkansas. But, okay, uh, we run that on the kind uh, of My mom kind of runs that part of the business, and my dad does the cars. Okay. So, how? So you say it's the number number one commercial cattle farm in Arkansas. So mm. how many how many cattle is that? Oh, oh, uh, so we sell. You ever been to a steakhouse and you heard of like Wagyu? Wagyu, you know what that is? I do not actually. So the next time you go to a nice restaurant like Bruce Chris or whatever, you need to ask for the Wagyu. Waga. That is that is what we sell. We sell akaushi, which is Japanese uh, beef. Okay. And yes, um, I have to try that out next time I hit, hit the big right. city. I'm from a, I'm from a small town too, so oh, I got you. I got it's you. It's, a, it's a two hour drive to the nearest Ruth Chris. <laughs> um. So yeah, we sell uh we sell akaushi and red Angus, but uh we at one point I know we had up upwards of three three ish thousand three or four thousand okay but they're all it's all moving it's all moving like some cows will stay at the farm for two days three days two weeks three weeks yeah it's all just it's all fluctuating yeah so how big is that ranch acre wise uh, if you're hosting three uh three a little over three thousand cows how how big acre wise is that ranch oh so 
we have actually eleven hundred worth of acre or worth of uh, worth of pasture in one area, and then we have it split off into another area where it's nine hundred worth of pasture. Okay, so it's you know just just shy of eighteen. Okay, so growing growing up on that ranch, were you able to? kind of learn the business from your parents at all um kind oh, of for waking sure. up early going and feeding the cattle doing oh, whatever you sure. need to do for sure and it's on a mountain too it's super cold up there so uh, it's uh it was hard as you know a kid just being being out there but um i learned a lot life lessons that i'll uh that i'll always remember and um doctoring you know calves and just we have uh we have cows chickens goats and pigs so that that's kind of our we have we got llamas too llamas and alpacas okay so what was that what was that biggest difference for you obviously besides leaving your parents and having to live on your own for the first time in florida at img but what was that biggest difference just moving from arkansas in terms of being around cattle all the time to florida to where i actually don't know where img's at bradenton i believe yes sir so how like what part of florida is that what was that biggest difference you saw just just overall, just from living on a ranch to going down to Florida. So, uh, it's weird being in the city. Cause I mean, I've grew up on a farm my whole life. And, uh, I mean, I've just grown up riding horses and I mean, roping. That's like, that's all I've known really my whole life is just being around cows and all that. And then going to a city. I've never lived in a city. I've never lived in city limits. So I'd, it's it's weird it really is like just not being able to like do certain things that you could do out on the ranch it's it's weird yeah but i mean i i wouldn't say i'm used to it i don't think i'll ever get used to it but uh it's it's all right it's not bad the food it's a lot easier to go get food i'll tell you that yeah so is tcu is that in the city limits of fort worth or is it more is it more on the countryside uh it's it's in the city limits of fort worth Okay. Yeah. Cause when I, when I went, like I said, I went there for spring break and yes, from my, my perspective of just being a kind of a tourist from in like 20, 25 hours away from Texas, my thought process was, okay, Dallas is more of like the city city mm-hmm. part. And then if you go to Fort Worth, that's more of like, we're going to find more cowboys, more, mm-hmm. more of a countryside of the doubt, da- like Dallas Fort Worth area. Yes, sir. Okay. That was kind of that was just my perspective of I wasn't sure what it is for a guy going to TCU mm. and who's been there more often. But I've got one last question for you before we end uh-huh. off the podcast. So obviously, name, image, and likeness for me that's a big thing. Just because, like I said, I'm trying to become an agent, so I'm trying to learn that industry as well. Um, so NIL came out last July. Um, college athletes are now able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, so when you do head to TCU's campus next fall and you graduate from IMG. Uh, what would be a dream brand that you would possibly love to work with for your name, image, and likeness? Man, like that—that's a super good question. Uh, that I'm gonna need a second for that. I um, ah, oh, wow. I gotta. I think I'd almost have to go with like. Hmm. Dude, I don't know. I love Lululemon. Okay, hey, that's perfect. I love Lululemon. That's a little. That's a little off the grid. Usually, I'll get yeah, a. I was. Usually, yeah, I was thinking outside the box. Okay, usually I'll get like a Nike and Adidas, and I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, yeah, you, you gotta change it up a little bit. You can't yeah. be like every. And obviously, Nike's not handing out endorsement deals to every, 
to a player who's not named Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. Yeah. yeah. So. But I got I got to stick with Lulu. Okay. Hey, perfect. That's that's a great answer. So, um, but that's all I got for you, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Of course. Um, I mean, it was a pretty long episode today. It was probably longer longer than I expected. I I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit, learn about your career. Um, yes, sir. Like I said, I'll definitely be at TCU at some point. Get you some podcast merch. Um, oh yeah. Just uh, watch you go play some ball down there. Go down there and dominate. So just sure. best of luck the rest of your career. Best of luck this spring at, at IMG. Um, and I'll just kind of stay in contact with you when I get yes, down sir. there. So we'll do. Awesome. All right, hey, Jeff, great. Thank, thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yes, sir. Of course. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast. Another weekend of some great content here on the podcast. Really enjoyed all three conversations. I um, just want to thank those guys for coming on the show. Jet Johnston, Texas A&M, Derek Schaefer, Tennessee, and then obviously Trip Landers here today going to TCU. So um, just thank you guys for listening. Um, thank those guys for coming on. But next week you got to tune in again because we've got another great weekend of three guests. we got East Coast Sox and Ray Scout team players. We're going to have it with Vander- all 2023 baseball commits, Vanderbilt baseball commit, RJ Hamilton, IU baseball commit, AJ Garcia, and the round it up on next Sunday we We've got Tennessee baseball commit, Matthew Dallas. So make sure to tune into those. Two are actually going to be live from the East Cobb Complex in Atlanta, Georgia at the WWBA they had a couple weeks ago. Did those live with Black Cobra Media, so that was a pretty cool experience to have. Um, but just tune into those. But for many, any more updates on the podcast, make sure to go give our social media and our website a follow. Social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And obviously the website is going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. So check those out. Keep listening, and I'll catch you guys next week.